0: And, and we did last week, we did a lot of progress. We did verse 12 of chapter eight. And so, and this chapter has 59 verses. And so I thought, I want to just get through the whole chapter. So you can imagine my, um, my fear this morning, because I'm going to attempt this and I don't know how I'm going to do it. Um, And I feel sorry for you guys. But bear with me. Um, You guys are really quiet and scared now, aren't you? (laughs) I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to do it. Um, But let's definitely pray for this morning. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you so much that it tells us of your son, that we are so loved, that you have such an incredible hope you brought such a hope, a living hope, that not even death can quench. And that it's not for the world, per se, that it is for us as individuals, that you loved me, that you loved us individually. And I pray, Father, that you would take this time that we spent together and that you will uh, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen so in 2018 in Thailand there was 11 football players uh, young boys with their coach that went to a very famous um, tourist attraction of a cave they ventured to go in just to explore And when they had gone two and a half miles into the cave, as it rained, the cave began to flood. And they were stuck there for three weeks. After two weeks, they managed to, uh, they were there without food, without light, without anything. And they managed to get them blankets. They managed to get them some food. But it was an incredible rescue mission that had to be planned that had to be accomplished. Fifteen days trapped, two and a half miles into the cave, with the danger that the rain would increase and that they would flood, and uh, and they would drown within that cave. There were other dangers even within the time. There were time was running out for them, and actually there was the danger of disease. As well as the danger of oxygen running out, a thousand rescue workers with a very technical rescue and two divers would go in and grab one child at a time. They had to semi-sedate them. It was a very tricky situation. You had to, you couldn't sedate them all the time the whole the whole way because they had to wear masks and 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 breathe through the. Um, air bottles, you know, the, the, the diving uh, gear. And so they had to be awake enough to breathe through this thing, but asleep enough that they would not panic in the middle of the cave and kill both themselves and the diver with them. There was zero visibility coming out of that cave. There was no way up to get air. And there was areas that were just about two feet distance where you there was two very risky ways of diving when you scuba dive there we actually had this in the Red Sea at one point we had a situation where uh, um, a man became stuck and he actually had to take his gear off go through the entryway and pull his gear out and then put the gear back on each rescue of each child took eight hours They did an interview on TV, national TV, after they were rescued. And Slatan Ibrahimovic came because he was a football player. He was their favorite football player. So he went to the Ellen show and, 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 and just came in there. And, they, and he said this, he says, these boys were so brave to survive in that cave. But he said this, that really struck me. He said, but they believed in other hands. To rescue them, they believed in other hands to rescue them. They realized the vulnerability. They realized the danger. They wanted to live, and so humbly submitted themselves to the rescuers. Just a couple of weeks ago, Dusty, that comes to this church was not feeling well the day before he was supposed to fly here. This is common knowledge. You know, it's in the women's group, so. Um, and he went to the doctor's office, and there he was, they told him that something had gone wrong. And uh, as, as they uh, examined him, <laughs> Dusty's my hero. The guy is a man of men, you know, just like. He had had a heart attack a few weeks or months earlier. I mean, the guy was here building stuff, the guy was traveling and he has a heart attack and he just keeps going, you know? And, but he went to the doctor and they said, you need a triple bypass. And so a couple of days ago, he had a tra- triple bypass. He was in the ICU, now he's in the, in the ward. But again, he had to believe the doctor, something is wrong. And then he had to put himself in the hands of the surgeons. He had to put himself in other hands. Jesus, in verse verse 12 of chapter 8, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus has come as the rescuer in a dark cave, as the healer of broken hearts, and we live in a world of darkness. Think with me, and I know we all like to think positively, and we all like to see I I am, Loretta says, I am the eternal optimist. But think with me about the drug pandemic right now going on in the United States with fentanyl. Have you seen the people just bending over as dead because this drug is a thousand times stronger than morphine? Yeah, you understand. Think of the greed that is going on in the world today. Think of the kids that are abandoned, abused, sexually mistreated. Here, it was actually the the governing authorities for the caring of the kids here that act, not the whole uh, organization, but individuals in their organization were aware of underage girls being sexually abused and trafficked here in Mallorca. Think of the love of power. How many rulers just stay in power at the expense of the people? Think of the devaluing of life that is going on. Women being used. Football players being discarded as, long, as soon as they are no longer useful. Think of the breakdown in sexuality. Think of the breakdown in family. Think of the breakdown in marriages, breakdown in politics. I am just, I can't even, I can't even watch politics anymore of any country, of any country. There's no longer a sense of, can we look out for the welfare of the people? There's just about whose ideology is going to be followed. And it is about defending your view at the expense of even the truth. Think of the wars, Russia, Ukraine, Syria that just happened. Think of October 7th and the horrific things that were done at, at a festival for peace. Think of Syria and its civil war where hundreds of thousands of people died and hundreds of thousands of people if not millions fled think of the pandemics the division that came through the pandemics think of the earthquakes think of even back in in 2008 when madoff took off with the investments he was ripping people off and people who invested trusting somebody else woke up one morning realizing that all their savings were lost that their investment was a lie. Think of the mental health situations that, were going, that are going on. And Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy, chapter three, verses one through five, he describes this darkness in an inspired way by the Spirit of God. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, ugly times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves they will be lovers of money they will be boasters they will be proud they will be blasphemers they will be disobedient to parents unthankful unholy unloving unforgiving slanderers; without self-control brutal despisers of good traitors headstrong haughty lovers of pleasure Rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So the, the, the interesting thing about these verses, you see the ugliness of it all. But the interesting thing is that it says that they will have a form of godliness. In other words, there will be a certain spirituality about them. But they will be driven just by darkness. And Jesus stands in the last day of the feast of tabernacles where the celebration were these four lights to remind them of the light that would the fire the pillar of fire that would guide them at night and through the desert and he and and he says that he's the the um he was also the bread the manna and 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 here he's saying i am the light i am the light of the world he who follows me shall not work, walk in darkness but shall ha- shall have the light of life we looked at last week at the the influence of christianity how it has brought light to the world hospitals education um rights for women values we we looked at the air that we breathe of the of the sanctity of life the air that we breathe of equality the air that we breathe of 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 just whatever justice anything that we in our western society consider as good that we stand for it was really brought to us through christianity through jesus He says, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have everlasting life. But notice, because his enemies just kind of stood up against them. If you look at verse 12 and 13, it says, The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. And Jesus answered to them and said, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where, you, I, where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am the one who bears witness of myself and the father who sent me bears witness. And then listen to this diagnosis. Then they said to him, Where is your father? And Jesus answered and said, You neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Look at the diagnosis here. These men were quite confident in their spirituality. They were quite confident in their religiosity. They were quite confident in their descendancy. They were quite confident in in their spirituality. But Jesus diagnoses them and he says, you neither know me nor my father if you had known me you would have known my father also. Notice the diagnosis in verse 23. You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. And listen to the warning in verse 24. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Pretty strong words. He's not trying to condemn people. He's trying to be very matter of fact with people. He's going to 12 boys in a cave and saying, if you do not believe that I I am the one able to rescue you, you are going to die in this cave. He is the doctor that comes and says, You have a great heart problem. If you do not believe that you have a great heart problem and that I am the solution, you're going to die in that heart problem. So it is a very powerful, yet not absent of love, warning. It's just a diagnosis. And notice the solution. Notice in verses 31, 34, and 36. Notice what he says. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Listen to what he says. He that commits sin is a slave of sin. But if the sun sets you free, verse 36, you shall be free indeed. If you do not believe that I am he, that I'm the Messiah, that I'm the son of God, that I'm the redeemer of Israel, you will die in your sins. But the solution is Jesus being the light. And like David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It is by following the Lord Jesus, by looking to him that the answer is found. And then he says this. He who commits sin is a slave of sin. And you know what? They thought themselves to be free. They said, when have we ever been slaves of anybody? They have been slaves to Egypt. They have been slaves to, uh, to Rome. They were slaves to Rome. But even above that, they were slaves of their own lusts, of their own hearts, whatever it is. But Jesus gives this amazing promise, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. What is freedom? You know, I think sometimes we develop, as human beings, we develop a Stockholm Syndrome. That means that we actually love to build a relationship and an affection to the one that actually keeps us as slaves. I had a friend, well, I, I just haven't talked to him in a long time, He, um, he, um, him and I would do drugs and, and and at one point he took his Jeep and he went into Calaguya beach, which is in Calarajada. And he drove into the sea with his Jeep high as a kite. And he just, with all the freedom in the world, he just says, ah, this is freedom. No, you just ruin your car. (laughs) You just, you're ruining your life. You have ruined your family. That is not freedom. That seems like a freedom. Sin has pleasure for a while, but then it bites. The freedom that Jesus is talking about here is not the freedom to do anything, but the freedom to how to live within the freedom of confined. What do I mean by that? If you give me a guitar and I grab that guitar and I just start strumming, I'm going to be free to play whatever I want and I'm not going to play anything because I don't know the laws of music. Yes, a matter of fact, we were talking about worship here at church, and we were talking about practicing whether it was going to be before uh, on a Sunday morning, whether it was going to be in the midweek, whether everybody had to practice or somebody could just come and, and just sort of glide in. And I was reminded of Abolo, who was here a couple of weeks ago. He, he, he's a, uh, a young Nigerian um, a man, um, and he is just one of the most gifted guitarists that we know. And he knows. He knows music. He knows the boundaries of music. And within those boundaries of music, he's able to slip into the worship and he's just able to play within the boundaries with great freedom. And so what you get is music out, not noise. And Jesus says, if the sun sets you free, you will go from making noise to making music with your life. But notice the self-righteousness, the fallacy, the, confident, the confidence that they had, the Pharisees and the Jews. It says, Abraham is our father, verse 39. We have one father and he is God and we belong to Abraham. They were proud of their descendancy. They were proud of their religion. They were proud of their actions and their rituals. They were proud of everything. But Jesus points out to them that actually they were not like, his, like their father, Abraham, by the flesh. They might have been physically like their father. In other words, uh, they were the physical descendants of Abraham but they were definitely not spiritual descendants of Abraham. Because they said in verse 39, we have Abraham as our father. And Jesus says to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. And they say, we have one father, even God. And Jesus says to them, if God were your father, you would love me. He's actually going to get to this later, but he says, Abraham actually looked to me. He looked for my coming and rejoiced over it. And here Jesus is very clear. If you love God, If you say you love God, you love Jesus. If you do not love Jesus, then you're worshiping your own God, not the God of the universe. That's what Jesus is saying. We can take it or leave it. We can say he's a lunatic, like C.S. Lewis said. We can say he's a liar. But what he's saying is that if you love God, and he's saying to the Pharisees, if you really love God, if God was your father, you would actually love me, you would receive me. And then he says, again, incarnate love, he says to um, 844, he says, you are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. He is a liar and the father of it. And this we have to take really to heart. We have to realize that we are in a cosmic battle on earth. We are at war. It is a war going out. And whenever there's a battle, I don't know if you've noticed, with Ukraine and Russia, With Syria, with um, the with Syria's civil war, with um, right now with Israel and and um, and Hamas, what you notice in any war, the first victim of any war is the truth. The biggest battle is fought on the propaganda. And that's true of physical wars, but that is true of the spiritual battle for the souls of men. It's not anything goes. And, I, and I'm going to say this, I, I want to say this very gently and very kindly and very lovingly, but it has to be said. We are part of the three monotheistic religions in the world Judaism Christianity and Islam they cannot all three be true it's just math it's just it's just normal either the red either the light is red it's yellow or it is green either I go or I stop, but but each color has a meaning. So if the Jew says that Jesus is not the Messiah of the Old Testament, either he is or he isn't. Because the Jew, for the most part, I mean, obviously we have Messianic Jews, people that have come to Christ, and and we believe that God is going to deal with the Jew in the future with Israel, but either he's the Messiah or he's not. We, Loretta and I went to to Israel on our honeymoon, and I was so excited, my goodness! And and then we had this Orthodox Jew come up to me and saying, to, uh, Loretta was wearing no sleeves, and this guy comes up and he. Yeah, I mean, in, in his orthodox clothes, and he just puts a, a cloak over Loretta. You got to cover yourself. You're in a holy place. I'm feisty, you know, and I, I mean, I, I was feistier back then. And, uh, and I said to him, well, what do you mean cover yourself in this place? Because we were outside of the prayer wall, uh, the, the wailing wall. We were outside of the zone. We were just in the, in, the, in, the, in the court. And then he goes, this is a holy site. I said, the holy site, but isn't, aren't they praying towards the other side? Isn't the holy of holies there? And he goes, you and your Jesus. And never do this in marriage. Loretta took off running. I stayed and argued. (laughs) Never do that. But but I, I took him to Isaiah 53. And I took him to Psalm 22. And then I took him to the forbidden passage, which I actually read a little bit this morning. The forbidden passage that says, uh, the angel comes to Daniel and says, I'm going to tell you of things to come. And then he tells them that day, listen guys, the day the Messiah would come. And Jews are not allowed to deal with that prophecy on their own because it tells you that day. And I said, what about that? But they just refuse at the moment to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So either he is the Messiah of the Old Testament or he isn't. But then Jesus comes and here we're reading the story by witnesses and he was crucified and then he rose and and John I mean Jesus says to John to John behold your mother take care of her behold your son Uh, you know just you guys go forward I'm leaving this world and then he breathes his last and they pierce his side and then 500 years later no less 500 years later Mohammed shows up and says that it wasn't Jesus on the cross that it was actually Judas on the cross because he cannot conceive, he couldn't conceive, Muhammad, that the Messiah would suffer death. But if you read Daniel 9, if you read Isaiah 53, if you read Psalm 22, you realize that the Messiah had to die. But of course, he couldn't conceive it, so therefore he makes up a story that is actually Judas and not Jesus and just throws away the whole gospel. Listen, they can't all three be true so let's not be patronizing when we talk about these three monor- monotheistic religions as if they could all be true they just don't fit and it cannot be that in life i mean i cannot go to the bank and say i've got a million euros in the bank it's either true or not it just doesn't work that way oh no actually i changed my mind. i have two million no i have nothing <laughs> And the banker is going to say, no, it's not true. And, and what I'm trying to say here is when Jesus says, you are, you are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. He is a liar and the father of it. When we, when we come to knowing God, we realize that there are truth and lies. And there's deception because there's an agent there. There is a propaganda going on and there's a propaganda going on in your mind and in your heart That is not just your own thoughts. It's a magnification from the devil. And then when you lose turf, you know, usually when you get into a debate with someone, when someone's looking uh, get, uh, losing turf, losing terrain, what do they do? It usually turns into insult, and that's exactly what happened here. We do not say rightly, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? 48 and verse 52. You have a demon. Imagine this. They're accusing the very Son of God. They're accusing the Messiah. They're accusing God. Come in the flesh. In the cave. In the cave. I mean, what I mean by that is, here's come to rescue them. And saying, I am your line out. And they're accusing Jesus of being a Samaritan and being a, and being a demon. Or having a demon. But then in verse 52, look what he says. You're, they say you have a demon, and Jesus says to them, Truly I say, if a man keeps my saying, he shall not see death. I love that. I love that because he didn't bite into the assaults. He didn't say, How dare you call me a demon? He didn't say, I mean, if I was Jesus, I would have said, Okay, angels, take him out. John called for that fire that we needed in Samaria. Just annihilate. No, no, he doesn't even bite into the argument. He doesn't bite into the argument. He says, if you believe in me, a man keeps my saying, he shall never see death. What promising is there like that in that universe? Verse 56, look what he says to them. Your father Abraham. They were so keen to be Abraham's children. And look what he says to them. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. And what he's saying is, here I am before you. And you are rejecting me. And yet, I was before Jesus. I mean, I was, well, actually, he says, uh, he says, Abraham, rejoice for this to happen. This was the promise that God made to Abraham. I will make you a great, great nation. And I will make you a blessing to the world. And here's Messiah come. And, he, and Jesus says, he rejoiced for my day. And here you are fighting me. And in Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, turn there with me because you're going to see what Abraham did. You know, there, there are, what is the word, thought uh, uh, Epiphanies or um, um, these, you know, you got to think, Jesus, when he was, he was born on earth. He was born of a virgin and he grew up. But it's not the first time that Jesus actually came to the earth. He had come to the earth before. Remember when in the fire, one like the Son of Man with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in the middle? Uh, What is it? A theophany, that's it. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word, a theophany. Thank you. There are theophanies in the Old Testament, places where God actually showed up in human being. The difference of Jesus coming later was that he was born as a man and that he, wor- he was raised as a boy. He grew up as a man. He worked as a man. And then he had the time of ministry that, that, that confirmed the, the signs of the Messiah and that he died on the cross and that he rose again and that he brought as a man. He perfectly kept the law that we could never keep ourselves so that we could be rescued. But in Genesis chapter 18, look at this. Jesus shows up here. It says, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. Notice, the Lord appeared to him. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet. Oh my goodness, washing feet. And rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may eat and refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant, they said, do, do as you have said. And Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures for a, and a, five, a fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. And as you read the passage, read it later, you realize that the, the the three men were two men, two angels and the Lord himself. Two angels and the Lord himself. How did Abraham react to that theophany? Let me bring water. Can I wash your feet? Let me sell your calf. He was hospitable. How were these Pharisees being? Rejecting the very Son of God. And then he makes this amazing statement in 858. In 858, he makes this amazing statement. Before Abraham was, I am before Abraham no you know when he says i am remember when moses and the bush and Jesus, and, and moses goes What is this? He says, I am that I am. So Jesus stands there and he says, I am the Yahweh of the Old Testament. I am the Jehovah of the Old Testament. I am the everlasting one. I'm not the one of the past. I'm not the one of the future. I'm not the one in the present. I am the one, the Alpha and the Omega. Beside me, there is no other. They were ready to kill him because he didn't say he was a good teacher. He said he was the creator. So these 12 boys realized the danger they were in, in a cave. And some men came and they brought them clothing and they brought them uh, food and they brought a rescue plan. And these boys needed humility, Needed yieldedness. Needed trust. Dusty. When he was diagnosed. He didn't react in anger. How dare you. As tough as he is. He had to eat humble pie. And say whatever it takes. Please I'm putting myself in your hands. And for us we are in the darkness of this world and the question is since God has come to us in our darkness he comes with the Holy Spirit he comes with Jesus he comes with his word he's come with all the supplies he's come with atonement let me ask you something what will he find in our hearts because he's come to help the light of the world. It's God. Isn't. Let me read to you this quote. Paul's 13 epistles, if they had no other use or purpose, would at least condemn forever all shallow-minded and narrow-visioned Christianity. Think what those early Christians must have been to read and appreciate Ephesians and Romans on a hot Sunday morning, crowded in an upper room. Early Christianity did not follow cunningly devised fables. It did not minimize the facts of revelation to escape mental difficulties. Yes, there are things hard to understand. It did not linger in the shallows of deism, but plunged into the depths of the mysteries of the Trinity, the incarnation, the resurrection, the restoration of a universe, the solution of all riddles by redemption. My goodness, we don't come here just to play church. We come here because we have the resources of heaven to grow in who he is. And we need humble hearts and we need growing hearts and we need yielded hearts. To know well, to trust well, to love well. The word is a map for us. The word is a lamp for us. The word counsels our hearts. The word transforms us. The word clarifies and solidifies. The word reveals and tells us of Jesus who is not out there but is in here. My goodness, we're so privileged. And I want to close with a song. And for your encouragement, I'm not going to sing it myself. That's yes, Owen's going to put it up. It's a music video. It's one of our favorite singers. He wrote this song years ago, but he has um, renewed Oh, actually, pause it really quick. He, has, he had just uh, put it out with his son. And obviously, I want to share it because it's one of my favorite songs about Jesus. But they just won a Grammy with this song that was given in Seville, Spain, and he got to share the gospel with Shakira. It was all these people. No, 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 there was a Christian there that won a Grammy with a Christian song about Jesus. And this is the song that is the song of songs, really. I'll tr- oh, by the way, it's in Spanish. So I'm going to translate it for you as, as it goes. Okay, slow enough, I think we can do it. He- Only one word. Only one prayer. When I arrive at your presence, O Lord. Doesn't matter what place of the table you make me sit, or the color of my crown, if I win one. (laughs) Only one word. If I still have a voice or if I'm able to articulate it in your presence. I don't want to ask you questions. I only have one petition. And if it can be alone. Watch this. Mucho mejor. Only let me look at you face to face. And be lost like a child in your glimpse. You told me. And that a lot of time goes by. And that no one says anything. Because I'm looking at the master. Only one word. Mm -hmm. Only one prayer. When I arrive at your presence. I don't care what place of the table you make me sit. Or the color of my crown if I end up winning one. Corona, si la a ganar. So if can... only let me look at you this case. Fist. When I love you in silence and without word. And that a lot of time goes by. And then no one says anything. <laughs> it's because only many look at you face to pink do <laughs> Only let me look at you face to face. I wanna even if I fall melted in your glimpse. Defeated and from the ground. Trembling and without breath. I will still be looking at you on my nest. When I fall at your feet on my knees, let me weep, tell to your wounds. And that a lot of time goes fine. And that no one says anything because I've waited for this moment all of my life rescued from darkness. there's nobody greater than Jesus let's make it the aim of our lives not to believe in a caricature of him but to put our lives or hand our lives in somebody else's hands that is the greatest person in the universe May the Pharisee in us be removed. And may the humble generosity and willingness of Abraham be built in us. Father, we pray, Lord, that you reveal yourself, Lord, That you melt our hearts, Lord. Realizing that there's a liar that wants to destroy us. And that you are the light, the rescue plan. The lover of our souls. And that you came to set us free, Lord. set us free from ourselves to make all things new may our lives lord be mesmerized with you may we grow lord even escalation says that we are children of abraham according to trust putting our lives in your hands To be able to say everything that was profit to me is rubbish. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and looking to what is ahead. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by confidence in the one who loved me and gave himself for. Peace. Be the treasure of our life.